You're listening to Inspirational Decency, episode 1728, Blood Sports Weekend. Hi. As an etymologist, a linguician, and a language guy, I believe fervently in using the English language correctly and concisely with a minimum of excess verbiage, which in turn creates a maximum of communicative impact and also talking power. Now, there are many words in our language that are woefully misused, misunderstood, or Miss Marple. Sorry, <laughs> I've got... Agatha Christie on the brain. I am, I am getting older, and Agatha Christie is catnip if you are under the age of 80 and over the age of 60. Oh, Agatha Christie. Here's a mystery even your Hercule Perrault couldn't solve. Why am I so terribly lonely? Oh, in any case, that is beside the point. There are many words in our language that simply aren't being used in a way that is most effective or most accurate. I could name you several examples. However, I think the two that stand out most prominently for me are gnarly and grody. So often I will be reading a column in the New York Times, or the Wall Street Journal, and I'll see the current debt ceiling crisis being referred to as Grody, or the new J.M. Kurtzia novel as being gnarly to the max. And I cringe at the slight yet unmistakable language Boner being bandied about. Oh, ladies and gentlemen, let me tell you this now, and hopefully for good, so that you don't make the same mistake that so many otherwise learned and prominent scholars and journalists continually make. Something is gnarly, when it is better than bodacious, but not quite as good as tubular. I can't tell you how many times the new, for instance, Michael Haneke film is described in film comment as being totes gnarly, when, you know, in the case of The White Ribbon, surely it qualifies as bodacious, and in the case of something like The Piano Teacher, for instance, it's closer to being tubular. And in the case of, say, cachet, well, that's totes radical. So clearly, there are several different subcategories that uh, allow you to be much more accurate in your appraisals. Now, what does radical mean, you may be asking me now, having, with me having introduced this new particular adjective? Well, 
something's radical when it kind of makes you like go like what i've never seen that before that's totes nuts that's crazy to the audi degree whereas something is bodacious when it's like bam like you just feel it in your forehead like whoosh kind of like whoa this is like what i mean really this is crazy and nuts those are the precise definitions of radical and bodacious and if something's gnarly then you know when you see it for the first time you're just like wow this is crazy but also kind of rad which is different from radical and it's like man i've got to just like slap myself in the face and then splash some cold water on it and then slap myself in the face again and then splash more cold water on it to numb the pain of having slapped myself in the face so it uh, as you see it continues so on and so forth and that is when you know as a critic as someone who is a mediator of the public taste that something is crazy awesome so i can only hope that this has uh, cleared up some of the rhetorical confusion concerning these two or i guess I've, it's like five different words i've introduced in any case the important thing to remember is that i've been married for eight years but i'm still a looking And now, a man attempts to write three folk songs in five minutes. Okay, so I figure one of them's got to be about a place. One of them has to be about an incident. And the other one has to be about a woman. So, okay, place would be uh, the outlet mall on Highway 5. Woman's name, let's call her Jules. She works at uh, the outlet mall on Highway 5. And uh, an incident. Uh, how about there was uh, maybe, let's see, maybe someone complained about a sweater they bought at the Winner's store at the outlet mall on Highway 5. Oh man, writing a folk song is absurdly easy. All right, uh, okay, so, song number one. Oh, Jules, oh, Jules, you made me look like a fool's. Oh, Jules, with your eyes so shining and bright, I wish that I hadn't brought you home last night. No, that's not right. I wish that I had brought you home last night. Yeah, so it's more longing and regret. Oh, Jules, when you worked at the winner's, in the outlet mall on Highway 5. I wish that I had asked you out, but now I'll never see you as long as I'm alive. Oh, ridiculously easy. Oh, Jules, your hair is so shiny. Jules, the ocean is so briny, and yet I would dive into it. To be with you, Jules. 
All right. That's one song. Oh, the outlet mall, the outlet mall, the outlet mall on Highway 5. Many went into the outlet mall, but few of them came out alive. The outlet mall would kill you. The outlet mall will kill you. How will the outlet mall kill you? No one seems to know. All we know is that everyone that goes into the outlet mall, they're never seen by the loved ones. Uh, something about having a ball. Okay, I'll have to work on that a bit more. Oh! Suppose that one, please heed their call. They're stuck inside the outlet mall. Everyone. Everyone. Hmm, let's see. Everyone who's driven past knows that mall will never last, and yet people are dying in the outlet mall. What could be going on? Is the food poisoned in the food court? I guess we'll never find out, because who wants to go in the outlet mall? You're going to die in the outlet mall. We don't know what kills people in that outlet mall. All right, well, I've got to work on that one a bit more. Okay, and uh, incident. Once there was a man who was killed in the outlet mall. Wait, that's the same melody. Oh, once in 78... An incident that was not great took place in the outlet mall. A great na- a great man named Gerald had to fall. He stood up to his boss at the Orange Julius and said, I'm not working unpaid overtime. And his boss said, you're not unionized, so you're going to do what I say. But he didn't listen to his boss that day. He stood up and said, No way. Am I working till late tonight? You know I've got a date with my girlfriend Jules from the other song earlier. It's all coming back. And then his boss said, Fine, you're fired. I'll get another 17-year-old with a Chevrolet to make orangey kind of fruity drinks for people with various fruity flavors injected and Gerald said only when I'm dead will I allow you to treat me this way so Gerald stood tall but then he suffered a heart attack but Gerald died with nobility and his boss had no ability to keep Gerald's spirit down. And now everyone in town remembers Gerald on the 5th of May every year without delay. Huh. There you go. Three folk songs in five, a little over five minutes. Take that, Gordon Lightfoot. I said, take that, Gordon Lightfoot. Oh, great. He won't even look at me. Ugh, still eight minutes left in this stupid show. You people, who am I making this for? I mean, really. The intelligentsia 
don't find me pretentious enough. And meanwhile, the dullards and dum-dums, well, my stuff goes right over their heads. They're not going to laugh at J.M. Kudzia jokes, or jokes about NASA, or jokes about phenomenology. And of course, the intellectual elite, quote-unquote, which means that I am questioning their status as such, they will just never warm to my precious little jokes about sweating and back hair. Oh no, they're they're far too above that such bodily concerns. No, theirs is a life of the mind. Well, I'll tell you this much. These intelligentsia may get university positions, although not in this job market, but they don't want to hear that. They'd rather bury their nose in a book or in a second book or possibly in the fragrant nape of the neck of a Judith Butler. But oh, will their theory keep them from the crushing, absolutely smothering sensation of loneliness that comes with a disengagement from the world and the sheer physical phenomena, the dirt and grime of the universe. I think not, sir. Mr. Senator, this will not stand. Sorry, I often like to pretend that I'm speaking to the Senate about something that I care passionately about. And often one of them is looking kind of bored and I will dress him down. You're not gonna pull that in front of me, Senator Munchausen. I am very worried about a lollipop shortage. And you will hear my voice and sing the song of my soul after I evaporate from this coil of mortality we call a universe. What? Anyway, back to what I was saying before, which was the purpose of this show. Here's the thing. There are certain events, certain entities that last far beyond the lives of their creators. This is not one of them. This show will die when I die, in two weeks from a severe bungee jumping accident, by which I mean that someone will bungee jump onto me, because you are not going to get me up there. No, 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 no. For you see, I suffer from the affliction of cowardice. And it is this cowardice that I feel will contribute to my legacy being unfulfilled or even 
unremembered, unrequested, unencumbered, unsubstantiated, unfunky. Yes, my legacy will remain all of these things, but isn't it worth it to have made a difference even in the short term, even over the, the, sh- the course of seven or so short months, to have really made an impact on the people with whom I come into contact. Yes, that is important, and it makes me wish all the more that I had done that in any way, shape, or form. No, anyone who comes across this radio show trolling their dial late at night or stumbling upon the podcast version inspirationaldecency.blogspot.com will, of course, give it the most passing of glances, the most cursory of listens, before going on their merry way and hastening their own demise. And in the end, I'm okay with that. Only in the sense that I feel that I cannot do any better. So if I, if you, if any of the you listeners are going to learn any lesson from this particular episode, or from this show as a whole, it's this. Whatever you do will amount to nothing and make no difference. So, while you're here, you might as well not party. Why? Because what I just said was depressing. Why would you want to party? I mean, think about it. Anyway, I, I have a minute and a half left here, folks. Or a little over a minute. Yes, a minute and a half. I'm sure you like to be reminded of how much more you have to listen. So, in order to run out the clock, I would like to offer a series of names that I feel would be most appropriate for a carpeting warehouse. Number one. Carpets? Yeah, I think so. Number two. Too many carpets? I'm not sure. Number three. You want carpets? We got carpets. Now why do you want carpets? Number four. If you're, like, looking for carpets and it's like, where am I going to find carpets? You could look here, and we have a lot of carpets. But you might want to also ask yourself, why do I want a carpet in my bathroom? Number five. Am I number five? I have no idea. Carpets. Not the worst thing in the world, but we're trying. Number six, carpets. We are soft when the world is hard. I guess that's about it for this episode, so goodbye. And I'll see you next week. And the week after. And the week after? Stay tuned.